0: This is the InFocus podcast from The Hindu.
1: Welcome to the InFocus podcast. My name is Jayan Sriram and I'm your host for today. On this news update podcast, we discuss various aspects of the coronavirus crisis that the country is still very much in the grip of. But we focus particularly on the quality of data that the government is using as it plans its way forward. The big question on everyone's minds now is when this deadly second wave will peak and when cases will see a downturn. But even as we anticipate that soon, there are already projections for a third wave later in the year. Our ability to navigate that depends very much on vaccinations, which are still progressing at an alarmingly slow pace. I'm joined on the podcast today by the Hindu's deputy science editor, Jacob Goshi. So Jacob, thank you once again for joining us on the podcast. There are many pieces of news floating around, many aspects to the coronavirus crisis these days, and these update episodes are a good way for us to kind of piece together some of these trends. So uh, let's just start with the most immediate thing that comes uh, to my mind at least, which is that uh, we had a news report yesterday that the principal scientific advisor to the government Mm -hmm. um, warned that even though we're in the midst of a horrific second wave right now, he said that a third wave is inevitable. And he also said some things about projections around the second wave and whether this could have been predicted or not, which we'll get to in a bit. But let's just start with the first aspect of that. Uh, What did he say about the third wave?
0: What are we expecting? So there's the... Uh, the, the briefings at the health ministry that is held uh, now, it is fairly uh, regularized again. And it's, there are nearly three briefings a week, which was what it used to be, you know, same time last year. So this time we had the principal scientific advisor to the government, that is Dr. K. Vijay Raghavan. He said that, you know, given the high levels of circulating virus uh, that, is, that is there, we know that now it is primarily uh, air-to-airborne transmission. He said given those high levels, it was inevitable that a third wave, you know, would happen, so to say. Now, he didn't say third wave at, a, at the level of a country, but we can probably assume that. Or would it be restricted to certain states? The, the the import of a third wave really is that because our levels of virus are so high, people need to be prepared for it. And the only way to be prepared for it is to have a large number of people vaccinated such that, you know, all those who are vaccinated, not actually be severely ill from it. So the implication of a statement is that if vaccination is too slow or a large proportion is not vaccinated, then we probably could see uh you know a repeat of the situation that of the second wave and we are still really not out of the second wave yet. So it's actually a warning and an emphasis on the necessity for all parties, government, people, states, uh, private facilities all to come together and just be rigidly focused on Immediate uh, vaccination,
1: right? And so the the second part of that, he did also make some observations about how it was impossible to predict the ferocity of this second wave. Yeah. So um, you've written a bit recently on the models that the government has been using to predict these waves. Um, you know, last yeah. week there was also that big story that Reuters reported about how True. a scientific panel had warned the government about the worsening mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. But, you know what is the what is the quality of data that you know, the Indian government is using to kind of make its plans and projections.
0: Okay, so the second wave, it is now acknowledged is that it caught everybody uh, unawares. Now, the, the premise of saying that, you know, a new wave could be far more serious was the emergence of variants. In fact, Vijay Raghavan actually said that the new variant in the briefing yesterday, he said the new variants now affected people were fitter. By fitter, he means in a biological evolutionary sense, that is, you know, those viruses are more hardy and he also said that they had adopted a hit and run lifestyle so these variants now because of this there were actually variants that were very specific to India so there was actually a so-called double mutant variant that everybody is being talking about for you know a, a month now and it basically has two mutations that independently have been known to increase infectivity as well as thwart the antibody response uh, in the last three, four months also, there is the Indian SARS-CoV-2 Genome Consortium. It's a, uh, it's a group of 10 labs uh, that have expertise as well as the machines to sequence the, the genome of the coronavirus. And they have these groups uh, meet every alternate day, at least for the past two or three months, where they actually share among themselves, you know, uh, what variants or mutations are actually you know, being detected from the samples of coronavirus positive states and hospitals and states provide to them. The, their mandate is to fraction at least a sequence of uh, you know, positive samples and see if there are any interesting mutations and changes. So these guys keep looking at this, uh, alert the scientific community within India. They also post uh, this information on international databases called GIS-8 so that the world can also understand uh, which mutations are gaining ground in different uh, geographies and countries? So they have been warning about this. Now the protocol is that this INSECOR basically just informs uh, the National Centers for Disease Control. It's a it's a kind of a nodal body, uh, and arm of the health ministry, and it is presumed it is natural that from the health ministry it is a, uh, this information goes on to the highest levels of government. Some scientists, though, that have been saying that it's been in March we had pointed out that certain variants would actually gain a lot of ground and, you know, could be threatening. But what is what we now know is that there really wasn't any indication that this would be an exceptionally ferocious uh, attack, so to say. And remember, this was a time when Kumela elections, everything was going on and general crowding. So it is actually kind of hard to keep track of which was the seeding way or seeding event that actually triggered uh, all of this. But uh, the next sum is that, you know, there were warnings that it is known that new wave pose are damage to India, especially when India had gone really, really slow on vaccinating. Right.
1: So, but Jacob, even uh, last year, we had some modeling, which, you know, by September indicated that cases would nearly go down or disappear by February and even indicated that there wouldn't be the second wave. So, I mean, is there a kind of a modeling system that's being used here
0: that's flawed? Okay. So there have been many, many models and different kinds of approaches to try to forecast when cases cases will increase when will it hit a peak and when will it decline now one model that was very interesting was something called the sutra model i mean sutra just basically uh, stands for you know uh, the technical definition of uh, people who are susceptible people who are asymptomatic people who have been treated people who have been recovered so you just that's what the acronym sutra comes from Now, this model was interesting because it did not really have a lot of epidemiologists, you know, in their panel. It was a purely kind of data-centric mathematical approach. And why it had a certain amount of, a lot of credibility was two reasons. One, the brains behind it was an IIT professor uh, called Manindra Agrawal, who's a computer science professor at uh, IIT Kanpur. And one of India's most famous mathematicians, he is global renowned, you know, in his field. That and it was actually backed by the, uh, by the Department of Science and Technology. They got these experts together and they actually developed this model. Now, the interesting thing about this model was that last year, you know, in around October. And one, if you remember, if you remember that in September, the cases had started to decline. They had said that, you know, if this trajectory continues, India is going to completely extinguish out its coronavirus curve by February. There will be no more cases. Now it did look like that for a long time, all of winter, and but by February it was, you know, it had really declined, and it was pretty much in the, in the kind of numbers that they were talking about. But even in March, when there was a slight pickup, this uh, Dr. Agarwal and the Sutra modelers basically said that you know there would be no real second wave, and they said it about a couple of times. It was only around April that then they started acknowledging that there would be a proper wave, and. In that too, they have been trying to predict peaks. They have always said that, you know, the peak would come in middle April or end April. And now the latest is that, you know, it would, I mean, this week in May is going to be the peak, so to say. Now, I've had conversations with Dr. Agriwal and other experts into modeling. And one of the problems is this uh, model's assumption of not really considering the nature of the virus very closely the other thing with this model is that you know it rests on a particular kind of uh, linear equation and there are certain values that keep changing and those values you need to observe the number of reported cases for a certain number of time and based on those cases you observe you know you get these values that you plug into an equation and it throws out a number as to you know what could be a peak and now the problem with these numbers it never tells you when there is going to be something called a phase change that is you know when a sudden a declining curve suddenly becomes an increasing one or an increasing curve suddenly declines in one way you know this this model was very good at telling you what happened in the past It could explain patterns in the past kind of could be captured in a model but it had no way of telling you when there is going to be a turn in events he later on did admit that you know there are other factors like for instance new variants and you know some variants being more infectious these factors would tend to, uh, you know, could obstruct the working of the model. He did admit to uh, things like that. But be that as may, uh other experts have said that, you know, we should never, given the nature of this pandemic, we shouldn't be relying on just one model and we should probably use something called an ensemble approach, which in, you know, in the modeling language, it basically means that, you know, you uh, you, know, you run mathematical model, models that, that capture different scenarios and, you know, you kind of take a, a range of values or you know a range of possible peaks that can be in so i mean most modellers seem to be under the consensus that this week or mid may would probably see the peak of this coronavirus wave but uh, we never know and uh, another con- con- confounding factor is that uh, the test positivity rates are so high that there is now a real concern that you know the true numbers are again being hidden because not many people are actually Going forward for tests, because now the numbers seem to be stabilizing around 3 60, 70. Now, is that a true estimate? Are people not testing enough? Positive rate does, you know, at 25% plus does seem to suggest that you know we are probably missing out a lot of infections because an ideal positive rate according to WHO is about 5 to 10%, and we kind of seem to be far from that.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to talking about uh, the peak because we'll end this episode by looking at when things might sort of turn around, maybe, yeah. maybe take a turn uh, for the better. But you know, in the, in the last episode we did, we kind of asked the question, you know, when vaccines became available for all adults to take, would there be enough supply? A week in from that process starting, we clearly have an answer. There does not seem to be enough supply. Sure. And um, the vaccine sort of the curve, if you look at it, the figures for the number of daily vaccinations has taken a dip. So, you know, what's the status on that? How far away are we from actually having this situation stabilise?
0: So now, as you pointed out, the curve, the daily vaccinations is really going down. And this is ex- exactly after, you know, vaccinations has been opened up to all adults. So there are a lot more of the 18 to 44 age group that are uh, getting their uh, first shots at private health facilities by paying uh, 900 or, you know, 600 varying prices, you know, for uh, a single shot. So while that is happening, but on the other hand, there are also instances of, you know, people actually turning up for their second shots, you know, but not actually um, getting them and being told to choose a later date. Now, this is inevitable, as we've also discussed in the previous um, episodes. Till about uh, July, you know, when both serum as well as... Uh, Bharat Biotech are sufficiently able to expand their manufacturing capacity at least to three or four five or six times than what is being uh, supplied now we are still going to continue seeing the scarcity. There is a slight hope that you know the, the Sputnik V I mean some uh, you know some hundred thousand or uh, doses have already reached Hyderabad uh, and it has already been cleared. There is some hope that if more supplies of this vaccine are imported it could kind of help out, but that would that would again be a very temporary uh, solution. But till June or July, we are still going to see fairly major scarcity.
1: Yeah, um, I think July is also what was indicated by Adar Poonabala, the CEO sure. of yeah. the Serum Institute,
0: mm-hmm. who I think,
1: by the way, we might have to do a separate podcast on probably in, in yeah. some in some other in some other episode because you know he's been in the news lately. But we'll sort of leave that be for yeah. now. That whole situation. Um so just as I said just to just to end this uh, are we seeing that there's also the the, the oxygen situation that's happening yeah. side by side that that continues to be of mm-hmm. critical importance, but are we seeing a kind of turnaround with that in terms of the situation getting better, and then you know finally, where do we see this now in terms of the larger trajectory of this kind yeah. of hit, um, this uh, this wave kind of hitting a peak and then scaling down a bit?
0: So in terms of the oxygen supply, it is still not uh, entirely solved because uh, the Supreme Court and the Centre are, uh, has told the Centre to I- improve supplies. The Centre you know, is rationing out oxygen supplies to various states and Delhi still says that you know, it needs around 700 uh, tonnes and whereas uh, you know, it is only getting 450, so there is a big deficit. Whereas, on the other hand, the center says, points out to Maharashtra and says that, you know, even at its peak, you know, Maharashtra managed well with 275 tons. So, there is clearly some element of wastage according to the center. And it is actually optimal management here that's at fault. Now, given the crisis situation, we are, the truth could somewhere be in the middle. Probably, I mean, a a basic principle of all hospitaling everywhere is triaging. That is, hospitals must take a call on which patients need more attention and, wh- and who don't need uh, as much attention? From the perspective of the patients, it always looks cl- cruel because everybody wants you know their, their, their person to get maximum possible attention. But doctors have a different, they are looking at a, a, a greater good, so to say and, and their aim is to save as many lives as possible. So this disjunction will continue as long as the number of new patients who have been diagnosed with the disease, keep flocking to hospitals. And as of now, that let-up does not seem to have really eased. On the other hand, uh, just a week ago or, or till a few days ago, as you and I and us are observing social media and there seems to be a slight decline in the number of requests for help, both in for uh, oxygen concentrators or cylinders as well as drugs such as remdesivir now this is could be this is probably just a proxy social media is not always the most ideal barometer but i believe if there is a substantial decline for some time uh, we probably should see it reflected in the numbers too i mean in the test positivity probably the you know the the, the oxygen crisis probably might shift geographies from delhi to becoming more pronounced in other places so from a national perspective this is, we are still, you know, pretty much in a crisis and, you know, we, we will have to go through this for, a, you know, at least for a few weeks. As Vijay Raghavan probably pointed out, you know, the second wave is still on and a third wave is inevitable, which basically means that there is going to be a trough, you know, between these two waves. Now, the trough will certainly come, but we don't know when it's going to come. It will happen because this is, India is not unique from other countries where waves have lasted longer. But on the other hand, many other countries have expanded uh, double shots of vaccines to a large fraction of their populations. We haven't been able to do so. So our our trajectory, our experience with the second wave is going to be, uh, you know, probably a bit different than many other countries. But yes, the consensus seems to be that somewhere between mid-May or, uh, you know, a week after could pretty much be see the peak of the second wave. Right.
1: Jacob uh, we'll end this there and of course we'll I think we'll reconvene next week again to discuss updates again. Sure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. Jen. In Focus'll we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.